0: You're listening to the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. Whether you're ready to launch the side hustle you've been dreaming about, working to double your freelance income and go full time, or just seeking inspiration from some of the smart, innovative folks I know, you're in the right place. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. You can find me on social at the Latasha James and let's hop in. Today I wanna talk about how to build a team for your freelance business because one of the very best ways to give yourself a promotion, which is a very timely topic, I know a lot of us are kind of thinking about, reflecting on the things that happened last year, and. Realizing we don't want to work as hard or as many hours or doing the same things as we did back in 2020. So, yeah, one of the best ways to do that to give yourself a promotion is by hiring a team. So, I hear from a lot of freelancers out there that you feel like you're in between a rock and a hard place. You are getting a lot of inquiries, you're getting a lot of leads, but you only have so many hours in the day. Or like I said, maybe you're just like tired of scheduling social media posts. You're tired of writing newsletters. You're tired of doing whatever it is that you spend a lot of time doing and you're ready to move into either a new side project. You want to Launch a course or launch a YouTube channel or start a podcast, or you want to work on some of the more strategic, kind of higher level projects within your business, doing strategy work and you know doing deep thinking and branding and, and idea generation and things like that. So let's talk about how to hire, where to find people, how to how to get this ball rolling. Now, full disclaimer from my end. I work with contractors only, so I don't actually have any full-time employees. I think one to two year goal is that I would have maybe one person working full-time. I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm kind of still figuring out the model for the type of business that I wanna build. So full disclaimer, I can't really advise on hiring full-time, but a lot of these things will definitely transfer over. So the first tip that I have is that if you're thinking it might be time to hire, it's probably definitely time to hire. For a long time, I really went back and forth on do I need help? Should I just continue to bootstrap and just do everything myself? And don't get me wrong, I think that that is important. I think it's important to know how to do everything in your business for the most part, besides the super specialized things, obviously, that you just are probably never going to know. But you know, I know how to write a newsletter. I know how to draft a social post. I know how to take a picture. But am I the best person to be doing those Things not necessarily. However, it is important to be able to know how to do it uh, at least at a basic level so you can understand how to delegate it more effectively. And also, just so if anything happens, if your contractor, your employee uh, calls in sick, isn't available, you can make it work as best as you can. But you don't need to do everything forever. And I think one of the best things that I've done to really it, you know, showcase the value of hiring people is just auditing my time, taking a look at exactly where my time is going in the week. And if you are not working on those things, like I said earlier, those more strategic projects, those things that you cannot be replaced for. For example, I can't be replaced for this podcast. I mean, could I have a co-host? Could I have guests on? Sure. But nobody else can, can, fill in for me exactly doing this at least not long term maybe one episode or something so that's something that I need to prioritize and make sure that I have time for so if that means I need to offload scheduling social media posts or answering HoneyBook leads or something like that where really anybody could be responding to those things then I'm gonna do it so anyway my my long story short is that if you're thinking about it it's probably time tip number two is to build out an org chart even before you're ready to hire. So I always recommend to people when you're doing your business plan and you're sitting down, um, whether that's a new business, so you're doing the first business plan or if you're just doing like an annual, I know I do like an annual planning doc and kind of you know map out where I want my business to go that year. Build out an org chart in, in that as well. What do you want your dream organization to look like? Like I said, that's something that I'm working on right now. I'm trying to figure out who do I need on my team? Because my business model has shifted from what I originally thought it was gonna be. Originally, I was running a small agency and now I'm moving have more heavily into the online education space so i'm doing a lot of research to other online educators and their businesses and seeing what their org charts look like and in case i wasn't clear an org chart is an organizational chart it's basically a map of where all of the people in your organization in your company uh sit you know what what roles you have available for them so do a lot of research like i said do research into if you're running an agency figure out what are some of the common roles in an agency. If you're running an online education business, do as much research as you can. Try to talk to people, get in touch with people and understand what they are hiring for. And also just make a list of your strengths and your weaknesses and the things that you love to do, the things that you hate to do, and kind of try to build out from there and just create dream roles. And what I like to do is I do categories first. So for example, there's all, there's me, the CEO, but then I might have a creative department and then I might have a sales department, right? And then from there you can build out individual roles. Now, when you're first starting to scale something that was helpful for me is that, okay, creative sales, there's I don't know, five, 10 possible different roles within each of those things. Creative could be video, photo, motion graphics, voiceover. Like there's so many different things, right? But when I'm first starting out, maybe my first hire is going to be just kind of a general content creator. Maybe it's somebody who is kind of more of a jack of all trades and can do a little bit of each of those things and their long-term career trajectory with me would be to be a creative director or to be a creative lead or creative VP or whatever it is. So that's how I like to build it out. I like to kind of maybe find one person that fits within that for sales. Maybe it's a salesperson, but eventually they turn into the business development lead and have a sales team underneath them. So that's sort of how I build out my org charts. And I recommend doing that just as an exercise so you understand what you're looking for. And I think it's also a great way to kind of manifest things into your life as well. Now, with that said, I do definitely recommend starting small. I mean, that's, like I said, full transparency. I don't have anyone on my team full time and I don't know if i I ever will, I think the goal is to have maybe one person, uh, full-time just because I work really well with one other person. Like I am very much a pure Taurus and they say that Taurus likes companionship and we like partnerships. And so I think I do want kind of a, a ride or die person on my team eventually, whenever that time comes. But... For now, I'm working with contractors, and I think that's a great way to kind of dip your toe in the water and see if you like working with other people. Some people don't. See what exactly you need. I've definitely hired for a lot of roles before, and found out "Mm, that's actually not what I need. Like I actually need something totally different. So starting out with freelancers, contractors is a good way to get started. It's also a lot safer financially because obviously you're not committing to someone that you're gonna pay a salary and potentially other benefits and things like that. Paying $3,000 is a lot different than paying 30 or 60 or $90,000. So that's always, Good to keep in mind. You know, you can kind of test the waters and see if they are bringing ROI to your business, and if you can justify the longer term spend. Even within that, for freelancers, I like to start with a like a fixed uh, contract for three months, maybe one month. It depends on what it is. Obviously, for like a designer, I'm usually hiring them for one project only, so there's not really that trial period, if you would say, but if I'm hiring somebody to work with me as like a virtual assistant or someone that's going to be on my team long-term, I usually start and sign a three-month contract with them just because I feel like that's a good amount of time to see how we kind of vibe, see how we work together and get some good projects in the pipeline and... At the same time, not commit to, hey, we're going to work together for the next two years, and then it's, you know, awkward, and and it sets expectation for them, too. I don't think it's fair to, in your mind, say, oh, I'm only going to test this person out for three months. I think be open about it, because you know, they gotta get on with our lives too. So you don't wanna string anyone along. Tip four, if you are hiring for somebody who's long-term, again, something like a designer, a website designer something like that, they don't really need this. But if you're hiring someone who's gonna work with you you know, hand-in-hand essentially for a long time, make sure that your SOPs or your standard operating procedures are down pat. This is a good exercise, again, to do even before you feel like you're ready to hire. It's something that will help you out a lot to make sure that you're familiar with what your standard processes are in your business, but it's definitely gonna come in handy when you do need to train somebody, when you do need to familiarize someone with your company. You can just hand over these documents, and what I do is I just create them in Google Docs, and I just write out, hey, here's how we publish a podcast episode. Step one, get the script ready or get the outline ready. Step two, like really break it down step by step. You can put in little videos in there. I have recently switched from Loom to Vidyard where I can record quick little screen share videos with my face in it and just kind of explain how to do different things using, you know, as kind of a training software. Just file that away and it's going to come in handy one day. So make sure you have it. For yourself and for your future team members. Next thing, make sure that you have your job description buttoned up as well. So, again, you know, I think clarity is key. Clarity is like one of my words of 2021. I just need to be more clear about everything and it doesn't stop when it comes to hiring. It's probably more important than anything when it comes to hiring. So start thinking about what you want that role to be responsible for. I like to look at other job descriptions when I am writing my own. That's always been really helpful for me. So just going on like LinkedIn, going on Indeed, going on Upwork and looking up other uh, job descriptions is always helpful to get an understanding of some of the responsibilities that are typical of that role and just how people are wording different things. So make sure to write those out and be really clear about them. You can always update them if the time comes when you need to hire and you need something different, but having them in the pipeline is good so that you know when you need to hire, you can just do it. You know, you don't need to like, oh my gosh, now I have to write a job description. Now I have to write SOPs. Now I have to do this. No, you have it all ready and good to go. And I'm telling you, that's how it happens. That's how it happened for me. I was, you know, just trucking along, just trying to get a couple contracts here and there. And then like overnight, how many times can I snap in this episode? Overnight, I was overwhelmed with, with work. I mean, that's just how it works, I think. I think a lot of people experience that rapid kind of growth where it's like, oh my gosh, it's, things are just happening and I need help like yesterday. So prepare yourself for that. Next, I want you to think about what you can afford. I think this is really important. And I know as freelancers, we get frustrated when our clients don't know their budget. So. You know think about the reverse of that like you should know your budget as well so talk to your accountant and or just go through you know your finances yourself and really try to figure out how much actual profit you're taking in so there's revenue right that's the total money that you got And then there are expenses, which is, you know, cost of doing business, your subscriptions to Canva, your courses that you take, your office space, whatever. And then whatever is remaining is your profit. I try to keep team salaries between like 20 to 30% of our total revenue. Now you can shift this around a lot, especially if you are hiring contractors. So there's less risk when working with somebody who's freelance. So maybe that's more like 40% or even 50% if you're in startup phase and you're not really making much revenue yet. But, you know, day to day, if things are going pretty smoothly, I like to keep our team salaries at about 20 to 30% of that. Another quick tip on this too, is try to keep six months of those team salaries in the bank. So that's kind of how I know I'm ready to hire someone on, especially if it's a longer term thing, is if I can commit to saving that much, just so, you know, if if something goes, on and we lose our client base or you know business just isn't performing like it once was I still know that I can pay my people and also just do a little bit of research when you're thinking about this and you're preparing to hire To if you want to hire a I don't know I keep saying graphic designer that's like the only thing I can think of a graphic designer a photographer a videographer whatever look up average rates and try to get an understanding of what they are going to ask you so you're not going in completely you know Clueless. As far as places to hire, tip number seven, I've hired a lot of different ways. I've hired on Upwork. I've hired on Fiverr. I've hired on internship and and mentorship and apprenticeship platforms. I've hired just from word of mouth. I've hired from recommendations. I've hired from my own. Pool of people that have taken my courses and my coaching programs. So I've really, I've really hired a lot, let me tell you. And I'll say my favorite places to find people number one are going to be like word of mouth referrals, people that I already know. And number two is Upwork. I actually really like hiring on Upwork. I think it's really easy. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of that process for you as the employer. And it just is like not very overwhelming, especially if you're familiar with it from the freelancer side. It was really easy for me to understand you know how it all works like posting a job anywhere you're gonna get amazing candidates and you're gonna get not so great of candidates so it's important that you go through and you really sift through those and uh, you can also filter your applications by uh, country, by skill set, by job success score, things like that. So be be picky, but don't be so picky that you don't talk to anybody. You know, you got to give people an opportunity to, to express themselves too. So that's helpful. But honestly, my favorite hires have come from just people that I know but not friends I will say people that I know professionally or like I said that have worked with me in some capacity because you know they're showing that they are committed to their careers if they're investing in me as their coach or taking my courses and so I know that they know the material because I taught it so it makes it a really nice um, kind of full circle thing when it comes to vetting people write out interview questions ahead of time like come up with, I have a maybe set of 10 standard questions that I always ask for the most part, you know, give or take a little bit, just depending on how the conversation goes. And for the most part, I like my interviews to really feel like a conversation. They're a discovery call, right? Like I don't want them to feel like it's rapid fire. Hey, tell me everything about you. I'm not just not that kind of person. I'm not a very stiff, bossy kind of person. So I just wanna have a conversation. I wanna know a little bit about them. I wanna know about their goals. I wanna know about things that they've done that they're proud of and all of that. So just write out those kinds of things. But also I think it is helpful because I like to be a little bit more informal and conversational, I do think it is helpful to have a set of standard questions written out that maybe are a little bit more social media specific or whatever it is that I'm hiring for. So if I was hiring for a social media manager, I'd ask them, what are your favorite social platforms? What do you think is the future of social media? What do you think some trends are that we should look out for in 2021, things like that. And again, this is something that you can easily google google like social media manager interview questions or graphic designer interview questions and just kind of pull from some of those and draft up your own kind of standard list another thing i'll say when you go into these discovery sessions or interviews whatever you want to call them is do your own research too be respectful and take the time to do your research as well you know don't make them rehash their entire life story if it's available on their website read their about section, read their LinkedIn profile, read through their jobs, you know, their previous jobs that they've held. So you can chat with them about that. Oh, I see that you used to work at GM. Tell me a little bit about that experience as opposed to kind of being like, I don't know, it comes across a little rude to me to have them just like dictate everything that they've ever done to you when it's just available for you already to look at. Here's a big a big thing to keep in mind tip number nine is once you hire somebody make sure that you keep that clarity give very clear expectations I've actually recorded an episode of the podcast I think it's episode 15 where I talked about mistakes that I made as a boss and I've been managing people for a long time actually not just in my business but I have been a manager in the retail world I think I got promoted when I was 17 or 18 and then you know all throughout even in my corporate career when I worked for an automotive company I was a lead in that position as well so I'm familiar with with managing people and no matter what the circumstances I've always had issues if I was not clear sometimes I think we gravitate towards being a little less clear and being a little bit more loose because you don't want to like offend people and make people sound stupid like you know, I know that you probably know how to schedule a social media post, but you have to get over that and If they know it, they know it. They're not gonna take offense to it if it's repetitive. So be as clear as possible. Again, this is where those SOPs come in handy. And also just being clear about what you need. So I always use this example. One of the first people I hired, I was like, okay, yeah, can you create a content calendar for the agency brand or something? They made like one social post a week or something. And I was like, how can I be mad at them? Number one, I think this was an intern. So they were still learning. And I never said, I set a content calendar. That could be one post a month, you know? So if you want five posts a week or if you want a content calendar for all social platforms, or you wanna, you know, whatever it is, be very clear about what you need. And last tip, tip number 10, is to have constant, or regular, at least, communication with them once they're hired as well. So I have a weekly standing meeting for people on my team where I meet with them one-on-one, anyone who I'm working with on a long-term basis, and it's just there on the calendar no matter what. Like, even if I don't really have much to update them on, I still like to have that meeting, even if we end up meeting for 15, 20 minutes, it's just good to have that face time. And I feel like there are just things that sometimes people would never come to you and ask you about they would never go out of the way to send you an email or make a phone call but they do have in the back of their head and if you show up and are available for them and say hey i want to make sure that you're successful do you have any questions how is everything going you know how are you feeling about this they'll ask you in that environment so i think it's important to have that Facetime and vice versa there are probably things that just slip my mind or that i want to ask them that i wouldn't like want to bother them with an email about and it's also just good to get to know one another I think that building a good company culture really starts with getting to know one another and again you don't have to be overly personal and be inappropriate and you don't want to blur those lines you know it it is tricky that's like a whole other topic working with friends and things like that but you can be a friendly person you can be You know, kind to one another. And I think those are the things that encourage loyalty and that get people to want to work with you and, uh, you know, help make their experience a good one. And I'm big on that. Like I said, I've been in leadership for a long time, actually. And I've always found a lot of satisfaction out of seeing people's careers develop. And I want to be a part of that. I don't want to hire people just to, get the job done. I really want to be a part of their journey and make sure that they're happy and happy people do good work. Like that's just the way it is. You know, if your team feels supported, you, they feel like you're educating them you're helping them if they have questions, they're gonna do better work than if you're just like throwing work at them and never being available, never being personable. It's, uh, it's just how it works. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you. If you're looking to grow your team, Go ahead, write up some job descriptions and just try it out. Try out hiring a freelancer. I think you can also learn a lot about freelancing from hiring freelancers. I have an episode about that as well. So I'll link everything that I mentioned in the show notes, in the description box. And yeah, hope that this was helpful. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave me a thumbs up on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube and on the podcasting platforms. And leave a comment down below if you're watching. And I will see you next week for a new one. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. You can also learn about my ultra exclusive membership community, the Freelance Friday Club. Oh, and if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or throw me a testimonial over at latashajames.com slash contact. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.